You're listening to the Editor's Pick Podcast. I'm Darcy Gallagher, your host and editor-in-chief of The Buzz Magazine. Big thanks to Michael Petras from Strobe Lake Casualties for our opening sound. For more of their music, visit the link in our show notes or go to www.strobelightcasualties.com. Nia, welcome back to the podcast. Hi. Nia was in our first episode, Sex Conversations, Album of the Year, and Wellness Hacks for the Winter, and we're so happy to have her back. I know there was a lot of people asking, would you care to share some updates? Yes. (laughs) Okay, so I sent the podcast to my family group chat. And I was like, okay, I'm the first interview, like, listen to it. And they did. And my grandma, she was like, A plus. And then she goes, you know what he said is true. And I was like, okay. And then my uncle, Steven, he, like, sent a bunch of, like, the clapping, like, um, applauding emojis. And then, like, the, like, the muscle flexing emojis. And then it's, like, the point, again, like, went over their head i don't know what else to do i (laughs) oh my god called him after i did the podcast and i was like i did this podcast and he was like oh you should have had me on there like they need to hear me they need to listen to me like everyone needs to hear what i have to say it's like missing the point so he's a work in progress right yeah right wow Mm -hmm. wow that's quite the update (laughs) my mom was proud of me though so Oh, well, we're yes. proud of you at The Buzz. Thank you. And that was a really great article, and I'm Thank really happy you. that that was in our first episode, especially. But I'm so happy to have you back. Um, and this time, we're talking about another one of your articles. But before we talk about that, what is has been your favorite part about being an editor this semester? Because this is your first semester as an editor, and you are a freshman. Yeah. Um, so I would just love to hear about how it's going. Um, I mean, I love that because... I'm weird like I I go on the New York Times and I like read their opinion articles and so I love like seeing other people's work filtered through me like I kind of get a first look at like the more raw material and I get to work on it with them and I love getting like feedback like positive or negative like on my work and so I love being able to give that to others and they like seem so happy like when I have something good to say about their work I'm like oh my like you value my opinion and then I'm like I don't know like the other day like my writer sent me something and I was like this is so good shut up you're such a good writer yeah and she just seemed so excited so oh that's so great I guess that's probably my favorite part oh that's so yeah. great that's also what I liked about being an editor and like it's just uh there's just something so rewarding about it so this week you wrote an article. The article's called Boston, America's Most Racist College Town. And it was talking about, so everyone knows like Boston, it's home to MIT, Harvard, you know, schools like Northeastern and even like BU where we are, they're very selective. And you're lucky if you get to go to one of them. So Boston has this like rich educational history, but Boston also has this history, a quite a racist history. Fenway fans will like shout at players or I think even more recently there was a basketball player who a Celtics player who was on his way home from the game and this lady wearing a Celtics jersey screamed the n-word at him oh my god and it's like weird because she respects him in like an athlete way in a like you're doing all this for my team my city but not in like the most human way you can like respect a person just like not calling them a slur if you think about like going back to like the American Revolution like Boston's a very patriotic town like think about Patriots Day coming up I didn't even know that was a thing until I got here it celebrates a history that black people were never really part of they weren't considered a whole person in the U.S. Constitution I think I mentioned that in my article yeah and um so 
I was so my friends and I talk about this a lot like my black friends um, the struggle between you hit the educational lottery and you get into one of these really selective schools that's like I don't know it's kind of a guarantee for a, a pretty good future and you have to think is it worth going to school in a city where the black people aren't doing well they really aren't um, I think I mentioned the statistic that black people have a net worth of eight dollars on average in Boston compared right. to like 200 about 250,000 for the average white family I think it was 247,500 dollars right I think WBUR yeah the Boston Globe did like, oh right they yeah. did a whole study on it like basically racism in Boston one of my friends and I I was talking to my friend Tadawa who's from Atlanta and I'm from Houston black people are doing very well in those cities like unusually well like right. they have a lot of wealth so it's weird we came here and there were no black owned businesses like I came here and I wanted to get my hair done and I have to take three trains to get there like that's insane oh my god yeah it's like little things like that but it's stuff you like ultimately have to get over because what was the alternative turning down a BU education right and I like more so I have a friend I went to high school with who goes to Harvard now and he talks about that too like it's like it's Harvard I wasn't gonna not go to Harvard because right. it's hard for me to find a place to get my hair cut, which sounds stupid, but it's really important. And I don't think, like, you couldn't really understand how important something like getting your hair done is unless you're black. But yeah. also stuff like my friend who is Jamaican, she's like, the fact that there are no black owned businesses means that I can't find Jamaican food. And that makes me really homesick, which yeah. is like something, I mean, I'm not Jamaican. I don't eat a lot of Jamaican food, but I can understand how, like, something like food is very comforting. It right. makes a difference. And, like, and, a new city and a new yeah. place. Yeah. No, like, yeah, when I first got here, I got really homesick, and I stayed at El Jefe's because there's a lot of Mexican food in yeah. Houston, and it reminded me of home. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like, especially with a place to get your hair done or, like, mm -hmm. place to get food from where you live or, like, where you're from, those details are overlooked mm -hmm. by people who don't struggle with that or, yeah. like, don't, you know, not have a place to get their hair done that isn't, like, where you have to take, like, five different trains to get to or, like, it's it's not difficult for them yeah. so that they don't really think about it. I mean, I didn't even think about it because being from Houston until I came here because it's not something I'd ever think about. Right, There's, right. like, a black-owned business on every corner yeah. selling soul food or <laughs> doing hair. I wrote, I was telling you, this article for my, um, as an opinion piece for my Calm right. 201 writing class, and my professor had kind of this one critique. Like, you can say this about a lot of cities which is true. So I wouldn't necessarily call it the most racist college town because, you know, growing up in Texas, there are cities like College Station where Texas A&M is, where their racism is like very blat blatant. Like I have a friend who was at a frat party with a bunch of white kids and they were using his arm to like put out cigarettes on him. And I was like, why would you let them do that to you? Oh but my like, God. but no, but like, and that racism is very blatant. But right. There's a different kind of racism here. It's more structural and subtle too. Like right. you have like it's a very it's an ultra ultra liberal city where they kind of have this like facade of we support people of color like right. this whole thing. It's like actions don't match words. I mean, you even said in the article like when you look at Boston's leadership, like I literally comb through last night. Yeah. I went through the malegislative.gov. <laughs> I looked through all of the senators, and I think you said in the article only six of them are black. Yeah. 
I think I counted less than that, honestly. If you just look at, you know, the leadership in the state and you look at the congressional delegation, there's, like, quantifiable Mm -hmm. statistics that, like, prove this. And then the one that we were talking about with the T is just, like, absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. How, like, the average black family has a net worth of $8. $8? Yeah, no. I wrote, cities that value and respect their people don't allow them to be worth less than a one-day pass on the T. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like, when you think about it, yeah. comparing it to a one-day pass on the T, not even a two-day pass. <laughs> not even a two-day pass is crazy. Like, that's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Compared to the two hundred uh, over $200,000 mm-hmm. that a white family in Boston his net worth is it's ridiculous it's insane it, no it's crazy but like to kind of like I guess a lighter note I was like talking to my friend Joel at Harvard about this and I wrote another um another article about this for the same combo to com 201 class um was about like how black people form many HBCUs at PWIs yeah and like Boston being a college town like or college city kind of allows us to do that you have like there's so few black people at each school but we have this network like everyone knows everyone like we all know the same people at MIT like the black student unions come together throw parties and there's a party Friday night it's really cool and I mean it's sad because we'd rather be in an environment that's like more comfortable or welcoming but we also find comfort in ourselves like back to the haircut thing like my friend Joel said, the first thing he did on campus was text a, gr- a group chat full of black people and they all told him where he could get his hair cut. Like literally yesterday I was at my friend Ochenna's dorm and she braided my hair. So there's like, there's a way to find community. It's really nice that like that is there and yeah. that there is community and there's support. It shouldn't be hard for someone to find community at their school. Yeah. But unfortunately it is. Definitely read her article. She's a fabulous writer. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It's so great to have you on again. I want to have you on like every single day. (laughs) Oh, invite me back. Chloe, welcome to the podcast. Woo-hoo! It is so great to have you on the podcast. Tell Hello. the audience a little bit about a little bit about yourself. All right, I'm Chloe, currently a freshman or let's say first year at BU. Um, I'm majoring in journalism, and at the Buzz, I am currently a culture writer, and I'm loving it. Um, other than that, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say has been your favorite article so far this semester that mm. you've written? So the way the schedule works is that we're, we have three articles set up for us to write. Right. So I've only written one so far, which is like an open letter to Snapchat, basically like bashing them for their news section because it's just so gross. Yeah. Exploitation of women and like their faces, their bodies, false news. Everything. Right. Gross images. Like it's really bad. So I really liked that because it was like a sassier style than I've usually used. But I'm hoping that this upcoming article that we're going to talk about yeah. will be my favorite because it's going to be a little more reflective. Or whatever. I think it'll be, if I can execute it right, I'm really hoping it'll be my favorite one. 
Yeah. A sneak peek into your third article or no? Sneak peek into my third article. Have you thought about it yet? Yes. My third one will be, oh, wait, am I only writing two this semester? I'm writing two because one of them is going to be in print. So, Do you want to tell us a little bit about your print article? Yeah, the I'm print, so excited. I'm very excited. The print one is, I'm surprised this one, like, I don't know. I wasn't expecting this one to be well-received or, like, wanted, you know, whatever. But um, it's, like, tattoos becoming in more into the mainstream. Yes. yes. And how, like, all of a sudden, how are we... It's not I taboo. saw the photos for that. They look really good. Oh, my God, yeah. I told me Will told me that he was doing that shoot. I was like, Incredible. oh, my God. It's in they good look hands. really good. They right? look really, really good. I mean, I haven't seen them, but I bet they are. So just kind of like what I wrote about was kind of going through the history of tattoos, which is fascinating. I was like, how do I parse this down? Because it was like so much. I could have written pages and pages on it. The history is fascinating. Um, but, yeah, like how much meaning is behind tattoos and the fact that now – it's like anyone with a tattoo can get most jobs. It's not anymore like if right, you, tattoo, you have no to hide jobs. it. Yeah. 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 Do you have a tattoo? No, I'm like I've been wanting to get one since my 18th birthday. I don't know what's up oh, with you that. Should. I know. Yeah. It's been on my list forever. Yeah. So we're getting there. And so then I think like for me, it was kind of like my tattoo fix was writing this story. <laughs> <So> <laughs> just channeling it into just the story. Channeling it. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to read your article. Tell us a little bit about your article this week. I saw it on the editorial calendar and I immediately it caught my eye. It's called Musings of Impermanence. Yes. Which already sounds so poetic. I, all right, Chloe. Oh, I <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it so much. So yeah, I would love for you just to like tell our audience a little bit more about it. Absolutely. So oh my god, I remember this so vividly like it stuck with me it was it was first semester because it was the first time I was gonna go home it was Thanksgiving break I'm packing up I'm in my room alone blasting music in my airpods that's you know I do everything with music and so I'm really in my own head um packing my things up and I'm like oh my god these drawers are like basically empty so I did overpack but that wasn't the problem (laughs) the the problem was that I was like holy crap I can put my entire like identity right now in a suitcase and I'm just going it was my first time going back home so I had been and just so everybody knows, yeah. where do you live? Where oh, yeah, is yeah. home? So home for me is Northern Virginia. Guys, not Southern Virginia. Northern Virginia, like 20 minutes out of D.C. <laughs> and, you know, it's just obviously been my home for the past yeah. 18 years when I moved here. Moved to America in 2007. Um, no, 2004. Let's say that again. This is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been my home ever since we moved. Um, I was born in Dubai and we moved in 2004. I was a year old. So it's been my home ever since then. Very much like my concrete idea of home is right. Northern Virginia. So then I'm packing up and I'm like, okay, first of all, the fact that I can fit so many objects that like identify who I am in a suitcase because clothes to me are everything. Like I always say to my mom, I was like, if I was in a crisis, if I was in like a house fire, the first thing I'm being like, is like, oh my God, my clothes. Like it's, it's like bad. Like I love fashion. So, you know, that was a big part of it made me kind of come to this conclusion that, okay, I'm packing up so much of myself right now and i'm like able to just transport that to dc whatever northern virginia and for me it was just kind of like i had been so integrated luckily into bu in the past month because this is thanksgiving this is what november so i've had uh two and a half months to really get into it i had a great friend group so i was like really in that mindset i was like okay i'm bu this is who i am now and then that was kind of like the first break where i was like holy crap there's a whole other split to my identity now like going back home and I was like wow so I can just take everything with me go back home and like disappear from BU and like what's the difference really I was like if I can just pick up and move anywhere what's tying me to one place or the other and like it was just kind of like an existential moment where I was like 
wait, whoa, like, <laughs> I have a split belonging. Like, now my brother, when he went off to college, both my brothers, when they went off to college, it was, like, they kind of, like, went out of my mind for a while because they weren't there, and I was like, okay, whatever. But I didn't realize how weird that must have been for them to go to college and come back and see that, like, life was going just as normal. I was still going to school kind of thing. Like, I'm experiencing that now. I'm going back it's home. It's so strange. It's so strange. Yeah. Two identities completely. And um, something that I wrote down here is that, like, one of the things for me was home, just the word. Yeah, like, what is home? Yeah, because I remember, like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going back home. And then at home, Northern Virginia, I'd be like, oh, I can't wait till I'm, like, going back, back at home. home. And you. that was, like, dorm BU. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that's whack. Like, that that's is never. so weird when you call it home for the first time. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, my God, am I betraying something? Like, it's... Yeah, you feel really guilty about it. <gasps> yeah. And then especially if you say it in front of, like, let's say your mom oh or something. I yeah. I'll never forget that. My mom was like, that's not your home. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so strange. It is. And I felt weird about it and, like, a little existential, if you will, because obviously I had been so, like, BU, 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 because I'm very fortunate as a freshman to have, like, probably the most incredible friend group I could have asked for in my entire life. Oh, that's so great. The most incredible group of people, so driven, so, like, inspired. Like, I would... It's like being plopped into the friend group that you get, like, junior year. Right. So I was right. lucky. So I was, like, very in that world. I was immersed and breaking it, going home to Thanksgiving break. I needed it. Like, I wanted to see my family so bad. My mommy, my best friend, my, my dad, my brothers. But, like, it was really a moment where I was like, okay, uh, what's going on here? If I could just pack up and leave and it's, like, uprooting everything. Like, I could just do it again. Like, I did that to leave to go to BU. Who says I can't just, like, uproot and move to what I wrote down is, like, Kansas. Like, who's <laughs> stopping me? And that's scary to me, at least. It really is. And yeah. I like how you said what kind of concrete concept gives us belonging. Yeah. Like, what makes us feel like we belong somewhere? Is mm-hmm. it, like, the people we surround ourselves with? Is it the place itself? Yeah. Is it the things that we bring with us? Like, what... That's my question. Yeah, like, what? What is? what does it mean to belong somewhere? Because, yeah. like, as much as, like, I loved my friend group, who knows if I felt like I was belonging there because of them or if it was just kind of, like, a distraction from the shock of like being transported into BU and like what if that was a distraction and maybe my feeling of belonging was coming from the objects that I brought to me in my room the books the clothes the like decorations like who knows what actually gives us belonging obviously community is a big part of it but like I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have like the posters on my wall or like the clothes that I own or the decor in my room so it's like is that really where like, I can just pick up those things, redecorate somewhere else in any other state, and will that be home? Like, and I belong there now. Right. Like, I could have been born anywhere. I could have, like, my parents could have settled in, like, Hawaii if I was lucky. Oh, you my You know gosh. what I mean, right? And, like, that would have been belonging. Like, it could be anywhere. <laughs> right. It really can. And also, like, it still can going yeah. forward because you can just move anywhere. That's which I think is, like, the scary but also really incredible part about life is, like, mm-hmm. if you if you want to uproot your life Mm -hmm. and that's something that makes sense for you at the moment then like you and if you have like the resources to do that then Mm -hmm. you can and like that's available to you which is insane when i leave someone else is gonna have that specific dorm room that building where i have like walked up the stairs a million times associated with like you know me like it's my belonging that's my home and suddenly it's gonna be someone else's in the next year boom like it's just like a transplant it's crazy and i mean it can cause a little existential crisis but what i kind of wrote down and what i'm hoping to go like on uh, the angle i'm trying to go with in this article is like yeah bring you this kind of crazy realization that wow really nothing we have is permanent and that's kind of scary 
Um, but then with that existential crisis of like, oh my God, like who am I and what am I if I could simply just transport objects with me and like become a subject of any environment? It's like, who am I? It's just who, whatever I'm around at that moment. It's my circumstance. Um, and I think that out of all that craziness, out of, out of all that uncertainty and like impermanence comes a really beautiful fact which is the fact that your entire life is subject to change always so it's like i don't know nothing is set in stone nothing is permanent which to me is something i need to internalize every day because i'm so like oh my god this is forever oh my god i can't change anything one decision will determine everything for the rest of my life no like whatever struggle you could be going through or element of your life that you dislike no matter what your resources are your like status is in society every single person has the agency to try and enforce change for the better because everything is subject to change which is the positive side of this existential crisis it's like who am i what am i just because of where i am you know so hopefully that's not too in the clouds but i don't know i was like feeling it so intensely that day packing up my my stuff and i'm like having this like the gears are turning i'm like holy crap so i'm writing a buzz article about this <laughs> that was my first thought the musings of impermanence musings of impermanence it's such a like set amount of time 80 90 100 years whatever and obviously we're simultaneously going through like i have so much time and i have so little time and like day by day days are dragging but also weeks are flying by and it's like you you're so caught up in the warping of time because you have so much stuff to do you're constantly stimulated constantly another task obligation another stress that it's sometimes comforting to remind yourself of the scary fact that nothing is permanent therefore change is always possible yeah Yeah. make the most of it like absolutely that's the entire grounding message of this entire thing is that because everything is so wishy-washy at the end of the day like do whatever whenever if you can Zainab, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you on. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, I would love for you to just share a little bit about yourself with our audience. So uh, my name is Zainab Zaman. I'm a freshman uh, studying PR here at Boston University, um, and I'm from Houston, Texas. So from the South, uh, it's definitely been an adjustment uh, moving up here, but it's cool to, to live life up North. Yeah, a little bit colder. <laughs> yeah, a lot colder. A lot colder. And um, how long have you been a part of The Buzz for? Um, Since the first semester. So my first article with The Buzz was actually like October of my freshman year. And I wrote about finding places of Texas in Boston. Oh, that's so sweet. And discovering that. You are one of our travel writers. And this week you wrote an article about traveling for concerts, which we haven't been able to do since COVID. No, I know. It's exciting. Yes. So, I mean, I would love for you just to like dive in and tell us about your article. Um, Yeah. So I basically kind of wrote about uh, concert traveling um, in all aspects because it's been so long since people have been having online or like in-person concerts. I remember like logging into online concerts, like just because it was COVID and there was nothing else to do. Um, And a lot of artists like had to cancel their tours. I remember I booked my like Harry Styles ticket when I was a sophomore in high school and I didn't get to go see him live until this my senior year. Um, And he's still on the same tour that he was on when I was a senior in high school. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it's just insane. So I kind of wrote about how um, people tend to like travel to go see 
um, some of their favorite artists, what that means uh, for the environment, like uh, artists actually touring themselves. Um, and then also just the online controversy um, of like, uh, I'm kind of referencing like the Eras tour for Taylor Swift, because there was a lot of people who are buying tickets in places that they don't live and they're taking opportunities away from people who haven't seen her yet. And there's a whole thing on Twitter um, about that on if people should travel uh, to go see some of their favorite artists. Some concerts, I remember they tried to do masked concerts, but you can't like, you can't mod like or monitor every single person in that arena. So it was just a huge thing. I, I did like the idea when you had to like have uh, a vaccination card in order to attend a concert. I think that was like something that worked. But yeah. 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 And you said that, wait, so you did, you went to online con concerts during COVID? I did. I did. How was that? It was weird. Um, I was a big One Direction fan. I still am. Um, and so like they had their whole 10 year thing. So they were having like online concerts kind of. Um, and I did that uh, or just like, even like the <laughs> yeah, just, like, random things. I was like, oh, I'll just watch it online. I'm, but we had to like buy a ticket and I'm like, that's so weird um that's wild yeah it was like five dollars but like still it was like oh god I mean like five dollars when you could just watch it on YouTube that's so yeah I, know. It's like, <laughs> I kind of like was kicking myself later I was like why didn't I just wait like, like two hours for it to be uploaded <laughs> on YouTube well you were live so I know yeah I was front row <laughs> so Harry and, and Taylor's tour do you want to like yes they um so Harry Styles canceled his tour like 2020 like right before cat postponing it um and then he never refunded the tour like you had the option to get a refund um and then he went on tour in 2021 or yeah beginning of 2021 is when um he started um and on like tiktok and stuff there's this one girl that i keep seeing who's at like all of his concerts and like on the floor for all of his concerts which is like an insane amount of money um and I, I actually did travel to see Harry Styles. So I'm a little bit of a hypocrite in a way. Um, but that's because my I live in Houston and my concert got canceled day of because of really bad weather and rain. So like, oh, that's like, right. There was like bad flooding going on. Um, so like people wouldn't have been able to like get out of the arena like by the end of the concert. So he canceled it. I was really distraught because I left school early to go. And like, and so then I found out while I was at school, like, oh, it's canceled. And it was just so upsetting. Me and one of my friends who have been waiting for this since we were 14 years old or 16, I think. And we were now like 18. We're like, oh my gosh, this is like, we need to go to this concert. So his next concert was in St. Louis, Missouri. And we bought tickets literally as soon as the Houston one got canceled um, and bought a flight to St. Louis and were barricade for Harry Styles there, which was a really great experience. Um, but I know how much I spent on that and how much like just traveling during then like was a huge risk that my parents were like, oh, like, I don't know if like this is a good idea. I can't imagine doing that for like 40 concerts, people going and being in the pit and from pit to pit to pit to pit for like 40 concerts and how much money they're spending is insane. The only concert I think I've ever traveled for was actually Taylor Swift. Oh, and, really? Like, her Red Tour. Oh, that Yeah. So it was so long ago. Yeah. Like went all the way up to Philly for it. But that's oh, like the only like concert I've ever traveled for. <laughs> I know. I'm traveling back home to see her 
in two weeks, which I'm excited. Oh, oh my gosh, that's gonna but, be great. Yeah, that was only because the Boston one was after we get out of school, so I couldn't. I would be traveling either way to see her, so I was like, I'll just yeah. Go. You might as well just like go home for it. Yeah, I'm very excited, and a lot of people I know are actually also traveling down to go see her, which kind of inspired the article because like yeah. half of my like my friends in New York and California, everyone's kind of making like a pilgrimage to Texas to see Taylor Swift for this one weekend. Um, and so it was just like, this is like a huge industry that people like buy into and myself included. Um, and so it's just like, that's crazy that we're spending money to go see the artists and then also spending money to travel, to go see them. And it's like a whole thing where people will like make like destinations, um, and then like go to a concert while they're there. Like, I think there was a statistic, like, like 47 I can find it I don't remember it was while I was like writing the article um percent of people like will whenever they plan a vacation will also attend some sort of ticketed event while they are at like said destination that is crazy yeah which I didn't I didn't realize but I guess it kind of makes sense we're in a new place what's happening let's go see the culture that makes sense at least that's from like being locked up for so long like people are like oh well like now I need to get out and I want to do it like who knows when this will happen next versus like I feel like before COVID it was more like oh I'll just wait until like they come around next time yeah yeah, yeah but the idea of like next time was taken for so long that it's like right that you kind of now yeah yeah I mean that makes sense yeah. <laughs> um and you also so you were talking about the climate crisis yes also has a role in this whole concert traveling experience. Do you want to just expand on that a little bit? So while I was uh, writing this, there was like a lot of things about how like concerts now are like a huge spectacle. It's not like you're sitting up there with an acoustic guitar and doing that. You have lights, you have fireworks, you have confetti, you have all of these different things. And it's happening night after night um, in on these like huge tours and and stadium tours so there was like it's like the energy that used by just one concert is so much that like by doing it every night it has a huge effect on the environment because you're also transporting like your crew all of your instruments your equipment your artists themselves their management anyone who's traveling with them um and we know like flying in general is like a huge emission of um like a huge carbon emission and so by doing that and a lot of celebrities flying private like that whole article came out about like oh these celebrities are like ruining the environment because they're flying with like two people and taking up um so much energy so then when they're touring they're also taking up this much energy on top of people traveling to go see them and not even that but when they're there the amount of energy that is used in just a concert or even like the glitter and the confetti that's not biodegradable it just kind of sits there and like rots like I remember leaving the Harry Styles tour and everyone wears the boas and all of that and there's just like feathers of boas everywhere that's kind of like kind of just stay there for a while or like end up in a landfill so like some artists had like I wrote about it like taking kind of a little bit of action Coldplay is one of them they were just like no we're not boring we're not going to be doing anything until there is some sort of solution which honestly I don't think that works because okay then you're just not touring but there's not really an ethical solution right now so and there probably isn't going to be one soon so like another artist um massive attack I didn't really know who that was worked with like like University of Manchester for climate change research and tracking like how band and audience travel actually affects the environment and then like giving that information over to other music artists to kind of try and combat the problem or even like if musicians toned down the spectacle that they're 
that they're doing, I feel like a lot of energy could be saved even just throughout that. I agree. Like you don't have to necessarily cancel touring altogether, but like you can definitely find ways to make it a little bit more environmentally friendly. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Just doing that or even like um, I was writing about residencies also is like something that artists have been doing where like they themselves are not traveling and then people are traveling to them, which is also like, does that even work? Is the same thing, but I guess you're not traveling with like, all of your equipment with all your equipment right that might be but I know like Harry Styles did that a little bit he's just been doing everything this year it's crazy he like after his tour then he came back and he did like five nights in Austin 10 nights in Madison Square Garden 10 nights in LA like in Vancouver so then he was a residency there and people would go to see him or Adele is doing that right now in Las Vegas she has a residency at I think it's like the Caesars Palace at the Coliseum or something in Las Vegas where pe- every weekend she performs there and people kind of come and, and see her and there is a, a limited amount of like audience seats so it is a smaller more intimate kind of gathering yeah. but that's like another idea that that people are playing with that's really interesting I honestly like didn't know that that was happening <laughs> yeah no one of my uh, friends she goes to UCSB she drove to Las Vegas to see Adele in her residency and I was jealous oh but, yeah that's so cool I would love to see Adele yeah <laughs> I thought that was a really interesting article because I feel like I never really think about all the energy that goes into all these tours and concerts until you like really think about it and you're like, oh my God, that is so many different moving factors that contribute to all of this. There's so many like, and so many different people every night that's going and traveling. Oh my God. And like, even just like something as small as the confetti and the glitter that you were talking about, like that is a nightmare to clean up so like it's not always going to be cleaned up and then it's just like sitting outside and you're like what what are we going to do with that but yeah exactly it's like what's happening with this now and then you move on to the next arena and then it happens again and then and then like all of a sudden the whole world is just like covered in glitter from exactly yeah (laughs) and not in a good way either it's like suffocating yeah (laughs) Yeah, traveling for concerts I know other people are so I guess it's just a thing we have to like work on in how we're doing it and being mindful about it and not taking away tickets from other people but I live in Houston so that's my ticket to take your ticket got canceled so you have every travel somewhere else yeah (laughs) exactly you're fine you're totally fine (laughs) I hope you have a great time that sounds so fun thank you I'm very excited thank you so much for being on the podcast again thank you for having me Editor's Pick is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Get buzzed every week with new episodes featuring members from our team.